You are now listening to For For Such a Time as This radio show with Prophetess Epiphany Tanya. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the For Such a Time as This broadcast show, and I am your host, Prophetess Epiphany Tanya. I want to welcome you to the broadcast on today. Glory to God. Um, I just wanted to share this word with you. Um, It's called Believe God at His Word. So, I'm really working on trying to be more concise with my messages. I understand, you know, I've been called the long-winded preacher, so, but I'm going to work on getting these messages shortened. So let's see how it goes today. Unsure, because sometimes the the spirit will just flow and we just go with the flow. So let's go into a word of prayer as we're accustomed to do. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just bless your name. We just worship you. We just lift you up. We give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. Um, Lord God, please step into this forecast. Please have your own way in this program. Please bless and touch those under the sound of my voice. Lord God, um, bless them on today. Lord God, forgive us of our sins. Wash us clean. Lord God, use me um, as you want to use me, as you see fit. Use these lips of clay. Say what you want to say. Um, bind up and cast out everything not like you. Break up the follow ground. Forgive us of our sins. Wash us clean. We place everything in your hands. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding, revelation of this word interpretation. In the mighty name of Jesus, let us be hearers, not just, let us be um, doers as well, not just hearers of your word. We thank you, we bless you, we praise you, we magnify you. Um, We pray that you shine your light in and through this message. Let there be light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Welcome, 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 beloved. Um, Like I said, believe in God at his word. So we're going to be reading today out of John 11. And so based on my previous message, um, talking about asking and uh, making sure not to skip that step when it comes to declaring and decreeing. And I'm probably going to do another message on declaring and decreeing specifically. But today we're talking about believing God at his word. And so this was a message that was highlighted through that previous message of uh, asking um, when I got into the section talking about John 11, talking about Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And um, this wonderful message that is there is so much packed here. But I want to really highlight um, my focus scripture is going to be John 11:23, And Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. So that is the key um, scripture here today. And when we go to John 11, we see that this thing has happened with Lazarus. We see that Lazarus was sick. Um, he's in the town of Bethany. He has two sisters, Mary and Martha, and that, um, you know, we know that there's this this history with Mary and Jesus, and that this is the same Mary that anointed Jesus' feet, and with the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, Um, so there's a close relationship here. We see other places in the scripture where Mary and Martha are mentioned, and even um, the fact that Mary is uh, one that loves to sit at Jesus' feet. So there's a relationship here. And even in this chapter, it talks about the fact that um, Jesus loves Martha and, and her sister and Lazarus. So these are um, who the Jews would consider Jesus' friends, you know, because he often goes there. He fellowships with them. He has, um, you know, he breaks bread with them. 
And so there's a close knit relationship. And what I found interesting, I and mean, there's so many points I can hit in this, this chapter, but what I found interesting, one of the things was that, um, you know, that it says that Jesus loved them. And then when he hears that um, Lazarus is sick, um, he, he tells the disciples that he's with, he says that the sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God, that the Son of Man might be glorified. And, um, and also that even though he loved them, even though he knew that he was sick, it said that Jesus still stayed where he was for two days. So I thought that was something to highlight interesting because, you know, a lot of times we have a relationship with the Lord, we um, may misconstrue and think that, you know, this relationship with the Lord means that God is going to jump to our, our call or, you know, we pray that everything's going to happen in an instant the way we want it and that um, God is always going to move when we call on him and ask him to move. And then we later learn as you begin to mature and grow in the Lord, you learn that um, he may not always come when you want him, but it's like that, that, that saying that when you need him, he is on time, you know. Somebody said, Jesus doesn't always come when you want him, but he's always at the last minute, right? So he comes right in the nick of time. And so I just, you know, I just wanted to highlight that part because it says he abode two days still in the same place where he was, right? And he tells them that, okay, this is, this is also that God can be glorified. And they're standing by and they can't understand. And then he says, let's go again. And, um, and they're, they're confused a little bit because they know that this area that he's about to go to is filled with Jews and that the Jews are after Jesus at this point and they want to stone him. They've already tried to um, stone him in the past and he's escaped it. And then Jesus lets them know that um, about, he starts talking about the hours in the day, right? But if you don't follow um, and really look close at what Jesus is saying, you may miss it. But he's basically telling them that, you know, he's the light, right? He understands, he can see, he knows um, what the Jews are up to. He knows what's going to happen. He has He has light, right? As long as we have light, as long as we have Jesus, we can see those hidden places. We can see the snakes in the grass coming, right? So he's trying to let them know like, okay, we got light. We got the daytime. You know, I am the light, right? He's giving them a little hint of that, right? And so he's telling them now he goes into talking about the fact that Lazarus is just sleeping, right? And... So now they get confused again and they're like, well, if he's sleeping, he should be okay. And then he had to correct them and say, listen, Lazarus is gone. Um, and he's saying, I'm glad that I wasn't there because, you know, you needed to see this miracle. You needed for this to happen. You needed this, um, you needed this trial and this tribulation and this struggle. You needed to go through this loss, right? And a lot of times we can't always see when we go through our trials and tribulation, we can't always see the purpose behind it. We can't always see that there's it's necessary. It's it it needs be to it needs be to happen. Give you that old English. It needs to happen the way it happened because if you go back up to four, he says it's is it's it's but for the glory of God that the Son of Man, the Son of God might be glorified through this thing, right? So it just, it, it really flips it on its head um, of our understanding when we go through trials and tribulations and we think we're not supposed to go through nothing. We think that everything is supposed to go our way. We think that as soon as we call that the Lord should show up and he should answer our prayers and right on time and the way we want it and that, um, you know, it shouldn't hurt and we shouldn't suffer. Right. But then now he's, he's giving you a whole new perspective in this uh, in John 11, where he's showing you that 
is some things that have to happen so that God can be glorified. So now we, now we get to this place where he he goes back, he goes to Bethany, right? Um, and I can get into some more things about Thomas and what he says, but look at the level of, of, of just confusion, of lack of understanding. But here, you know, if we go back to my last message and I was talking about James, like we don't have wisdom, James lets us know you can just ask, right? But they have no clue what Jesus is saying here, right? And they're, they're, you know, every time he says one thing, they flip it and they get the misunderstanding of it, right? And so you could say that Jesus was a very misunderstood individual because when we read here in, in John, you see all this, this misunderstanding, this confusion of what he's really saying, right? So, but we go on, he goes on, he goes back and he says, he came and he found um, that they had, that, that Lazarus has laid in the grave for four days now, right? So, um, it's not that he's that far away, right? So now the Jews have come. Some Jews have come. And they're comforting Martha and Mary and um, concerning Lazarus. And now I'm going to start at 20. It says, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house, right? Right. And we know that Martha is the busy one and Mary is the one that's usually still, right? So it says, then said Mary unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Right? So now she, it, it's funny to me because Martha has some level of uh, knowledge theory in her head. It's like, it's like the faith that she had is a, one of knowledge, right? And I can relate to that. Sometimes it's like we can get so in our head about Faith, we can get so in our head, like, okay, I see the words on the page. I know that this is what it is, but making that knowledge translate and transform down into the heart where we then believe it in our heart is a whole nother story and ballgame altogether. So it's good to see that Martha has some understanding, some knowledge there, right? Because she said, I know, and even now, whatsoever thou will ask God, that God will give it to thee, right? So she's saying that even though she's known, she knows that Lazarus is laid there for four days, but she says, I know, right? But this is all a head knowledge that Martha has. She doesn't really have the heart, the heart, faith and belief that she needs at this moment in time, right? So, um, so then we get to, we get to the part where Jesus speaks and he says unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Here's the word that Jesus gives Martha he hasn't even declared this to anybody else. He just told them that um, this is so God can be glorified. Um, he says that Lazarus sleeps. Then he finally tells him that Lazarus is no more. Um, and, and, and he says that, you know, I'm glad that I wasn't there. But he hasn't told anybody, okay, this is what's going to happen yet. But when he gets to Martha, he gives her the word. He gives her the assurance. He declares it um, undoubtedly. Um, he, he gives it very clear. He says, thy brother shall rise again in 23, right? And then Martha said to him, oh, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. This is showing us her head knowledge right here. Because if she really computed and comprehended, understood what Jesus was saying, she would know that Jesus was saying, I'm going to raise him right now. But she goes off into the future somewhere and says, oh, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection on the last day, Right. So it's it's showing us that the that sometimes our faith can be a head level faith. It could be a, a surface level faith, it could be a, a knowledge-based faith, but it's not reached the level it needs to reach that's down in our heart. 
right? We have to get a place where we know that we know that we know, and we have a faith that's that's rooted on the inside of us, right? That's rooted down in our heart and our soul, and we know that what God is saying is for the right now versus something off in the future. Now, there's there's things that God has already done. There's things that God is doing right now. There's and there's things that God is going to do, right? So we got to recognize what stage we're in. Is this something that God has already done? Is this something that God is doing, or is this something that God is going to do, right? So so then we see that you know she's she's still in her head and she's still talking about what's going to happen. And Jesus says to her. I am the resurrection. She's talking about resurrection in the future. And Jesus, who is he who is, he who was, and he who is to come, transcends time. So we don't need to wait till he's trying to tell you, like, you don't need to wait till a resurrection that's coming when I am the resurrection and the resurrection is standing in front of you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he's given her this powerful, awesome word. This is this is such a powerful place in the scriptures. This is such a powerful place of Jesus speaking because here he is. He's telling you what he's going to do. I'm going to raise your brother up again. I'm going to raise your brother up again. And yet she can't comprehend. She can't see it. She can't understand it. She can't know it in her spirit, heart and soul. You know, I can just imagine like if Jesus is standing right in front of you and he's talking to you. Why doesn't that reverberate through your being that you just feel that in your soul and know what's what's blocking and stopping you from really receiving the word that God is standing in front of you speaking? Glory to God. So he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this. Now, funny thing about him saying, believeth thou this is a question mark there. He's asking her a question. And so she says to him, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the son of God, which should come into the world. Right now, she's still not really believing that he's going to raise up Lazarus, but she's saying what she's believed that's already happened. We already know it's already been established within um, the disciples that are around the people that are around Jesus. Many of them have this understanding and belief that Jesus is the Messiah. They know that much, right? They understand that much. They have faith in that much. But to see, even though he's done multiple miracles in your face, to still be able to understand his power right there in front of you as the resurrection and the life is a whole nother story, right? So she says to him, yea, Lord, I, I believe that thou art the Christ, thou art the son of God, thou should come to the world. And when she had said so said, she went her way, right? She's still in her head, though. She's still in her head. She still hasn't received it in her heart. And, and she says, she calls Mary, his sister, secretly saying, the master is coming, call it for thee, right? Now, I don't see anywhere here where Jesus said, go, go get Mary, right? Now, maybe there's just something they left out because we know that in, there's um, scripture that talks about there's so much stuff that happened that they couldn't fit it all into the, into the Bible. So it could have just been a part that they neglected to say that maybe Jesus did call for Mary, but we don't see that. So I just wonder about that. Like, is this true that he called for her? Is it that she just still doesn't believe? So she's like, well, maybe Mary will get somewhere further than I got. So let me send her, you know, like what really happened there? We don't really know. So she says, um, as soon as Mary heard that, um, Jesus was, was there calling for her, um, then it, she arose quickly and came to him in 29. Now in 30 says, now Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was at a place where Martha met him. So they didn't give him a chance to even get into the town. 
he's on the outskirts and they're, they're running up to him and, and you know, kind of confronting him that if you had been here, Jesus, our brother would have lived. Why, why didn't you, why weren't you here? Why didn't you come? And, and the Jews that were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw that Mary, um, that she rose up hastily and went out, they followed her saying, they think that she's going to the grave to weep some more. So this, this other part, and I want to, I want to keep going with this because I think this is so important that we understand that it says, and when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him and fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. Right? So here we go again. Right? So we go back, if you go back in the beginning of 11, you, 11, you have, um, Thomas, then Martha, and now Mary, we, we, Jesus being encountered, Jesus is encountering three different individuals that don't have the faith that they need for Jesus really to do the miracles. We see that there are other places in the scripture where it says that he had to send people away because of their unbelief, because it was hindering the miracle from happening because they didn't believe. But yet here we are in a situation where he's about to do one of the greatest miracles in the Bible. And yet three individuals related to the miracle or that are there at the time can't really comprehend and have the faith level needed to really see the miracle come to pass. Right? So it says when Jesus came into um, where Jesus, where um, Mary comes to where Jesus is and it says, she falls down and says, um, if you have been here, Lord, my brother wouldn't have died. Right. And then when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, that came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled, right? So, you know, here we have this key scripture that everybody talks about, the shortest scripture in the Bible. And it says, and said, where have you laid him? Is what Jesus asked them. And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then 35 says, Jesus wept, right? We always hear this shortest scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. And a lot of people misinterpret and misconstrue Jesus' tears, Right. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. Right. So they think that the reason why he's crying is, oh, he loves Lazarus so much. But again, I point out why cry when you know you're going to raise him again. That makes no sense. Jesus is not crying over Lazarus passing. Jesus is not crying like everybody else is crying, mourning his loss. Jesus has to be crying because of their unbelief. Look at all the encounters of unbelief. Start at the beginning of 11 and go work your way on down. We got Thomas that's, um, that's asking questions and not believing. We have, um, you know, these disciples and, and they're talking about, oh, the Jews are going to stone you. They don't believe. Right. And, uh, then we have Martha and she's talking about, oh, I know he's going to rise up again in the resurrection. She's not believing what he's saying, even though he tells her directly, your brother's going to rise again. And then we have Mary and she's crying and weeping and talking about if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Three or more, actually it's more than that, because like I said, if you put the disciples together because they talk about the Jews stoning him and they're discouraging him from going back to go see Lazarus. You have more than just the three, but those are the three key figures we know of as coming with unbelief. They don't believe what Jesus is telling them is about to happen. He's telling them, I'm going to raise them up. This is going to happen. Nobody can comprehend. Nobody can receive it. Nobody can believe it. Nobody has the faith. This is a frustrating place. <laughs> Speaking from personal experience, I think about the times and this, this really hit me as I prepared to do this message. I think and it's, it's something that we can use you know, um, to actually help us 
to receive when Jesus and when God speaks to us and tells us certain things to be able to receive. So I've been in this place where there are things that I know that I know that I know, right? I've studied the word. Um, This is not bragging on myself. I give God all glory. I've studied the word. I've been saved maybe 20 years now. Um, I've studied the scripture like I don't know a lot of people who have studied the scripture like I studied the scripture. I've read the Bible from front to back in Bible uh, read-through plans, and it takes about a year to do. You can do one yourself. I've done those things. I've um, gotten concordances, Bible dictionaries. Um, I'm always seeking more understanding. I want to know. I want to know what is that saying? What does it mean, God? I'm that knowledge, wisdom, understanding, revelation person. So when I say something to somebody about the scriptures, I try not to take, I try not to say things lightly. I try not to just be flippant about the things I say. I'm usually not going to speak on something unless I know that I know that I know. I want to, I want that blessed assurance, right? I'm not going to tell you something unless I, you know, or I'll tell you like, well, I'm not so sure about this or this is what I think. This is my opinion. I'll let you know the difference. But when I know that I know that I know something, I stand firm, firm and strong on that. And I'm one of those people that, you know, I've had situations where I'm trying to tell somebody something like, okay, this is this. And they're like, well, and they're either arguing and it's obvious they don't believe. Um, they're, they're, They're telling you what you're saying is not right or it's wrong. And I just know that feeling of when you know that you know that you know something, you know that what you're saying is truth. You know you're standing on what's right, but yet people don't believe you. People don't receive it. And they have their doubt and their skepticism or whatever else they have. And so I know that feeling. And it's 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 really when I when I thought about this today, and I really feel like it was a revelation from the Holy Spirit in a sense, because it made me realize, okay, I need to take God at his word when God tells me something. Because if me, a person that, you know, I'm fallible, I'm not infallible like God, I'm fallible, I have my flaws, I have my 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 issues, my hang-ups, whatever else. But there are times when I know that I know that I know, and yet I'm still not believed. But here is God who is infallible, who doesn't have any flaws, who is perfection personified. Yet here you have it that there are people that won't receive and believe. So for being a person that has been on that side of it, then I really need strongly to throw out my skepticism, throw out my doubt, throw out whatever else, and just trust God at his word and stand and believe what he's saying. Take him at his word. Believe God at his word. Because this is what led Jesus to weep, okay? It was the fact that they had so much unbelief. Even though he declared it to them, even though he, you know, they know he's the Messiah in in in, in head knowledge wise. Martha is like, I know that, you know, that you're going to raise him up at the resurrection. I know that you're the Messiah the son of God. I know these things. You can have a head knowledge, but she still couldn't compute it. She still couldn't compute what Jesus was saying. She still couldn't receive it in. Hallelujah. That he is the resurrection. He's not saying I was the resurrection. He's not saying I'm going to be the resurrection. He's not going to say I'm going to resurrect. He's saying I am at this moment. And that's the thing. A lot of times we can get caught up again. We go back to this transcending time thing, the past, present, future. We can get caught up in what God did in the past. We can go get caught up and look into the future, but we can all miss the fact of what's happening right now in the present, where God is in the present moment, because God is in the present moment of your life. God is right there. We're speaking to you. Even right now through this message, God is here and he can speak and he can reach you. And we have to 
Take him at his word and trust him of what he's saying right now, not what's past, not what's to come. That's all wonderful and great and good. But when God is right in front of us, when God's message and word is right in our face, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to encounter it? How are we going to interpret it? Glory to God is the question. Hallelujah. That gets raised. So not only the question that gets raised, but now we see as we go on past 38, and down into these verses, it says, Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. Hallelujah. That it was a cave. But let me go back up because I skipped some things. So it says, Jesus wept and then said the Jews, behold, how he loved them. So we know they misinterpreted. And then some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? So here again, there's still doubting. There's, there's still no belief there. There's still... Um, just unbelief and doubt, right? That that is uh, that Jesus is being met with. Jesus is being met with unbelief and doubt. But here, here is the resurrection and the life right in front of them. And so now he goes again groaning, right? I can't blame Jesus for groaning. I know that groaning. I know part of that pain. I can't say I know the full because I'm not God, but I know. I have a glimpse of, I have a glimpse of what that's like when you're, 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 you're standing in somebody's face. You have all the evidence in hand. You're saying, this is what it is. And yet they still don't believe. Right. And a lot of people, somebody, it was a, um, it was a YouTuber recently. He said, um, people don't care about evidence. Right. And people went in the uproar in his comments about him making that statement, but I totally understood where he was coming from. A lot of people don't care nothing about evidence. You can have all the evidence you want right in their face and they're still going to stay staunch in their belief because they're invested in their misinformation, disinformation, lies, whatever it is. They're invested in their era of thinking because they want to be right or it's just it's too devastating to think about them being wrong. Whatever the case may be, you have a lot of people out there like that. But here it is that he's there in front of them. So Jesus said unto them, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he had been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee. Now he got to come and bring it back. Said I not. Did you not hear what I said the first time? That if thou wouldst believe, thou should see the glory of God. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is receive. And it's going to happen. And he says, and then it says, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Right. Because obviously, even though Martha said, well, I know that you're the son of God. Obviously, she still didn't even believe that because Jesus had to go through all this. Because look, look, I have to say this so they can believe that I'm sent by you because they obviously don't believe because they knew that I was sent by you. They knew the power that I had. They would not be having all this doubt. They would not have all this doubt that they have right now. And then he says, um, he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And he says um, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with the napkin. And Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. So I'm going to stop there in the reading. But I just want us to gather <laughs> and, and, and glean and receive this word and this message about 
Believing God at his word. This is something that we all could stand to work on. This is all this is something that we all have areas of doubt and unbelief in our life. It's some area where you can have so much faith in one area. There's some other area where you're doubting and you have unbelief what God has said, even though it's in the word, even though God has said in his word that we have to believe and trust God. You might not understand the ins and outs. And that's another thing. Sometimes we are people that are so head knowledge driven. Then, you know, for myself, I'm one of those people like I like to know how things are made. Right. You know, that show like how it's made. I love that. I love to see the process like, okay. And sometimes you can get stuck because if you can't see how something is going down or how it's done or how it, how it's going to work out, then you could get stuck in your unbelief because you can't see it. Right. But we know that he says the just shall live by faith and walk by faith, not by sight. Right. So we have to come to a place. It's almost I don't like to use the word blind faith all the time because I don't think our faith has to be completely blind because we have the word. It's not blind when you have the word that says this is this and this is thus, right? Blind would be totally no information at all, but we have the information. It's just believing the information that is true. Glory to God. So anyway, I could go on and on and on, but like I said, I'm trying to watch my time and I still went longer. I don't know that I'll ever do a message that's going to be like 10 or 15 minutes, but at least I can stay under my half an hour time. So glory to God, but I'm going to stop there. And I just encourage you to read John 11 for yourself and really study, really study this message because it's so powerful. But if you don't know the Lord today, I just invite you in that Jesus Christ, he loves you so much. He died on the cross for you and he's inviting you and calling you at this moment to give your life and your heart to him. And all you got to do is just a simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Believe, Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died and rose again on the cross. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. I give you my life for the rest of my life. And just like that, you will be saved. The Bible says in Romans 9, 10 through 13. I'm sorry, Romans 10, 9 through 13. Glory to God. But all others, I'm going to pray us out. Father God, in the name of Jesus, please touch all those under the sound of my voice. Please, Lord God, bind up and cast out this, this spirit of doubt and unbelief. Please, Lord God, help us to believe you and trust you at your word. Help us not to, to just have doubt when you tell us straight on what things are. Help us to embrace your word, believe your word, know that your word is true, know that you are true, that you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you would repent. There's nothing too hard for you, God. Just raise our faith level today, Father God, to trust you and believe you at your word. We thank you so much, God. We thank you for this message. I pray that it uh, transform lives and touch minds and help somebody out there that's listening um, to know you all the more and to serve you for the rest of their life. And I pray that for all of us listening. I thank you. We praise you. We bless you. We worship you. It's nobody like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you, beloveds. I love you and there's nothing you could do about it. I want you to go be great on purpose. Whatever you're going through, just remember God is turning that thing around for you. Go check out my books, amazon.com, Latanya's Epiphany. Put it in the search. All the books are going to come up. You're going to be blessed. My latest book, The Road to Breakthrough, I promise you that's a bless. That's a page-turning blessing. Any of the books should bless your life. God bless you. Love you. Peace.